What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. My name is Casey Clapp. I'm another host. Alex, I have to tell you something. Wow. Every time we start this show, uh-huh. I imagine the music already, and I usually dance to it. I don't know if you just saw that. I've seen this before, Casey. I see you over on the couch bobbing and jiving. Yeah, it's because I, 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 I need that to happen so that I feel the intro because I like it so much. What the listener may not know is that we do not hear the our, our theme music by yeah. the mini vandals. Exactly. Uh, while we are starting the show it's put in later did you know podcast magic it's it's beautiful people like i i wonder how many glass shattering moments we just created (laughs) it's like i never thought of that casey alex we have a really cool i would say i would say the tree's cool Uh but i would also say the concept is really cool. oh this is yeah this Uh, is gonna be a good one i'm really excited to talk about that but before i do I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pick your brain. Here. Ooh, okay, all right, all um, right, I'm ready. Maybe not pick your brain, but just talk about something. Let me put my thinking glasses on. Okay, go ahead. Oh, they're those. Okay, all right, I'm ready. They're those prop glasses that you would buy for, for, from tickets at Wonderland. Yes, the same thing that you usually see Elton John wearing. Yeah, but like the dollar store version. Exactly. Yeah, I can't afford his <laughs> kind of glasses. Guy. All right, what do you got, Casey? I went away this last weekend. <laughs> On a trip by myself, if you can imagine that. And I went um, to Southwester Lodge in Seaview, Washington. Oh, yes. You told me. Uh, it, tell me more. It was a growth experience. Oh, yeah. You wrote some music, maybe? I, d- I wrote a bunch of music. Oh, uh, we all want to hear it. Um, I'm working on that. But I also did a fair bit of walking in the forest, Casey. Oh, <laughs> Be still, my beating heart. <laughs> Look at you. You're, I love that. I, I walked a, a fair bit through the forest, but Casey, I got to say, yeah. this forest, this this place I went to, Shore Pine Country. Jeez, isn't it? I could imagine. I, I'm going to look this up. Where was it again? Sea View, Washington. And I brought my native plants of the... Uh, what is that called of the of the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Native oh, the, pojar. Yes, pojar. I brought, or pa- plants of the Pacific Northwest coast. Yes, specifically, such a small like area. It's amazing. I brought that with me, and I looked up some things, and I got a little bit of help from our Instagram friends. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Uh, I found some Scotch beard. And I found Scotch beard. Scotch beard. I think it was Scotch pot. No, you're thinking uh, Scotch broom. Scotch broom. Yes, yellow flowers. Yes, beautiful mm-hmm. flowers. And I looked at them and I said, "Wow, look at these five petals and these five things." And yeah. I, I, I used my in, my information from the podcast, Casey. Ah, that makes me so happy. Thanks. You're, you're, I, it, I, I think we've said this before. When you start to learn the trees, you can walk around, or at least the plants, and you can kind of like see everything. And rather than just this mash of green around you, you're like, "Oh, I know what that is. I see that." And everything almost becomes it three-dimensional yes you know totally at least that's my opinion i i'm thinking maybe you had a, an experience like that I, I i agree with you fully um but yeah gosh a, a, a whole heck ton of shore pines oh yeah well that area i mean it's right on the coast and that's what they do they they're small trees and they grow really contorted and they're all yeah. small but it's because everything on the coast they're just so harsh yeah you know it's it's kind of ironic in that the maritime weather especially of our area it it moderates things so it never gets too cold or too hot hmm. but it's really harsh because it's like always constantly blustery there's wind all the time yeah salt spray and all that kind of stuff right 
It's just crazy. But those trees, they just take it and they always stay very short mostly out there. Well, I'm glad you had such a good time. Out Thanks. There. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm I'm happy to be home. I was like I was missing home a little bit as yeah. I was as I was coming home. And Casey, I'm happy to be here to talk about a fantastic tree. Mm. And that is the Black, Black Spruce. spruce. Black Spruce Springsteen. <laughs> We're, we're searching for an episode title here, here we folks. Are. Let's get into it. You and I, last week, okay. we were, gosh, we've been traveling so much, I, I forget where we were. Yeah, last week, I think we were in India. We were in India. Yep. And we need to get to Canada somehow. Yep, yep. It's very far away. It is very far away. Maybe we should just take a plane. I think we should, but let's sit first class. That way we get the free little... Actually, you don't even need to sit first class. Just international flights. Get like those free little uh, wine things. and Like they get the whole food, like like three course meals across the entire the entire trip. Okay, we'll those go people, on one of those flights. They work hard. Yeah. It's so good. So we get on a regular old airplane and we fly mm-hmm. to Canada. Coach. And we land in a boreal forest. That's right. And we touch down and I say, Casey, wow, look at all these wacky trees. What are they? What do we see, smell, feel, taste? Let's talk black spruce. All right. The black spruce. It's actually one of my favorite trees in the sense that I like spruces a lot. Do you really? I do. There's there's not a whole lot of them. There are a few. Um, they, they're conifer, as everyone knows I love. The thing with the black spruce, though, is that they don't get very tall, and they grow very, very far north, hmm. almost uh, as far north as any spruce that, that exists. I think it might actually be the most northern spruce, at least on North America. No kidding. And that thing grows on like the tundras and at the edges of the tundras. And I think, I'm not 100% sure, but if you start going south from like the, the North Pole and you just go in any direction in North America, I guess I should be more specific, uh-huh. and you just keep going down, you will find a tree at some latitude that's very high and it'll probably be a species of this tree the black spruce okay what's the what's the latin name the uh, scientific name for the black spruce picea which is spruce can i guess the second one yes is it nigra it is not oh darn very close except for in this case i don't know why they didn't do that i'm trying to think what it, i don't even know if there mm. is a picea nigra let's write a letter let's write a letter what is it picea mariana Mariana. Mariana. Like the trench. Yeah, exactly. Yes, actually. that's. A, I was thinking that same thing. And so earlier I was trying to look it up to see, is it of the, are those the same things? Yeah. And no one's actually quite sure why it's called why it's called Mariana. They were saying that it basically comes from it being a maritime tree. Oh. Because you find it on those islands that's way, way up north in the northern reaches of Canada oh. and along the eastern northern or the eastern Northeast, oh gosh, I'm trying to say too many terms and I feel like they all are uh, meaning something different. Just take a deep breath, focus your mind, go. The very northern reaches of the eastern seaboard in Canada. Nice. Thank you. That worked. I feel very good about that. <laughs> wow. I'm going to start breathing more often. I didn't know to do that. I usually... Uh, I've, been trying to, I've been trying to find a way to bring it up to you, KC. <laughs> take a breath. Thanks. <laughs> Anywho, so it is a spruce tree. Alex, how do you identify a spruce tree? Do you know? Well, I got a couple of ideas. I'm pretty good at identifying spruce cones. Yeah. They are very papery and their scales lay pretty flat. Yes. Down the cone. True. And I believe they're pointing down. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, and from my experience, they're very sappy. I don't know if that's uh, if that's just the ones I've gotten. But Interesting. Yeah. 
I appreciate you saying that because the um, uh, Picea, again, that's the genus name for all spruces. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually comes from ancient word for the spruces, which means picks or pitch. Oh, there you yeah. have it. So you're very, you're, you're spot on. Your, right. your intuition is ancient. Thanks, Alex. Man. Wow. All right. I met one with time. <laughs> you are omnitime. I am time. <laughs> oh, I feel like you just revealed yourself to me and like it's blinding lights. Yeah. We need to add some like. I turn into a neon skeleton. <laughs> you just be. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, how Casey, you asked me how I identify a spruce. Yeah. How do you identify this a spruce? This is how I identify this spruce. So, the uh, specifically, the black spruce is a delightful tree because it grows very, very uh, columnarly. It does not get very wide. Okay. And that's because usually it's growing at such high latitudes that there's just no, there's you can't get big wide or big wide spreading branches because they're going to get covered in snow. You're going to break. Oh. So, they have needle-like leaves really short tufted spire-like growth habits and they have little teeny tiny cones that are maybe about an inch uh, maybe an inch and a half maybe two inches long and their cone scales like you said they're in the pine family so they're all spirally arranged around that one central axis okay but they are all these uh, the one for this cone specifically they're all very rounded so they have like these little they look kind of like a bunch of quarter dimes or half dimes just all blip 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 and they so it looks like this perfect like um, take a bunch of pogs. You remember pogs? Do I remember of pogs? Of course you remember pogs. And then like spread them out so they're all kind of like overlapping a little bit. Okay. And then spirally do that in three dimensions. Wow, Case. I just Googled it. That was a pretty dead-on description. Yes. Thank you. And I appreciate the mention of pogs. Hi, everyone always does. I wonder where my collection is. I, uh, well, to me, they don't look almost anything like a spruce cone yes which is that that they that is a spruce cone the other kind of spruce cone that you may be imagining say the Sitka spruce cone yep where it's much more papery yes. scales those are like the two big me or the two big types of oh. spruce cones and there are other things um that would tell you that it's a spruce namely the needles are born individually they're not in any groups or pairs or anything like that like the cedar or a pine tree fascinating in pinus um, but they also, if you pull off um, one of those needles or it falls off, it'll have this little teeny tiny peg on the twig. Okay. So if you're like, is this a is this a spruce tree? Is it not? Find an old twig from that tree, and then it'll be covered in little tiny pegs all the way down to the very end. I see. And that is a very key characteristic of all spruces. Interesting. So you're like, well, the cone looks like it could be a little bit like a hemlock. It could be a little bit like a different thing. Yeah. If you look at those two cones, either it's going to be a very light uh, tan papery kind of cone, same spirally kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. And you take the one that we have, it's much more woody and very... Uh, um, there's no waviness to the scales. Put those two together and you'll be like, yeah, okay, those actually look really similar to each other. They just have this one morphological difference, papery and wavy versus woody and circular and kind of flat. Okay, I'm glad you said something about hem- them looking a little hemlockish yes. because that's what I'm thinking when I'm looking at it. It looks like a hemlock but with the papery scales. Yeah, it, it really does. And so then the if you're looking at a hemlock, hemlock will, if you pull off one of their needles, uh-huh. also singly born, they will leave no little peg. Ah. Yeah, in fact, uh, most hemlocks, I believe, have a little tiny leaf petiole. So you can see a leaf, little tiny petiole, and then it attaches to the twig. With the spruce... They're just on that one peg, singly born, and if you pull the needle off, it stops at the peg, and then that little peg stays on. Interesting. Casey, speaking of needles, 
I want to know. I think we should have a new thing on the show. Oh, a spectrum of pokiness. Oh God! All right. Where are these needles falling on the spectrum of pokiness? Uh-huh. All from an actual needle, like a sewing needle, yes. is on one end of the spectrum. Okay. The other end of the spectrum is uh, like the Charmin bear. Oh God! All right. So this is gonna be this is gonna be on the the spectrum of a comb. A, a comb that has widely spaced time. No, it's going to be a fork. Okay. It's going to be it's going to be a fork with the very sharp tines that you're kind of like, ow, oh, yeah. I stuck it into my tongue. Oh, I hate that. Okay, that's what it's going to be like. They that's, suck. That's pretty darn pokey. They're super pokey. They're, when I was learning to identify trees, um, they encouraged that we shake hands with a tree. Oh. And that was an ID characteristic. When you shake hands with a Douglas fir, it's kind of pokey. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's not obtrusive and it doesn't, you don't back away in pain and horror. <laughs> um, a hemlock, you're like, oh, well, this is like you're, you're shaking, you're like petting a dog's head. Yes. A spruce, it's like you are grabbing a, a thousand tines off of a fork that are individually angry with you personally. That's great. They are awful. This, uh, this spruce is a little bit less bad than others. It's a little bit more blunted. Okay. Um, but the Sika spruce or the uh, Engelman spruce, there's a couple others that I could think of right now, but I want to make sure I'm getting in my brain correct before I just go spouting off too many facts. Oh, sure. Those two, at least specifically, will absolutely, they'll almost lacerate you. They're so awful. Wow. Yeah. Like, it's just, you feel, you like, you touch it, the blue spruce, uh, Colorado blue spruce, another yeah. one, you like, you, you touch that and you're like, ow. And then as you walk away, you're simply like, Ow, like that still kind of hurts. <laughs> That's like, fascinating. Yeah, so they're they're going to be more towards the actual needle side of that spectrum. Okay. Rather than the uh, the Charmin bear. Fantastic. So don't shake hands with them. Or if you do, do it once and then learn how to identify what it looks like with your eyes only after that. I don't touch needles. That's a good call. Yeah. yeah. Casey, let's <laughs> talk about some bark. What's what's up with the bark of, oh. the, of, the, of the black spruce? All right, the bark of the black spruce is pretty cool. It's actually bark that's fairly normal in the sense of like... Y- it doesn't really stand out, although it does flake off in kind of these cool ways. Okay. Um, where there's not like flakes where the ponderosa pine, for instance, where it has like those really amazing like puzzle piece like flakes. Right, like big chunky boys. Yeah, this just kind of looks like it's kind of a flaky, scraggly kind of tree. Yeah, it looks a lot like dry, like really dry skin. Yes, exactly. That's a good way to describe it, but yeah. in big pieces. Yes. And yeah. that's kind of a Scaled thing. Up. Yeah, yes. That's I should that was exactly what I was going to add is that the scales are a very sprucey thing where spruces always not always most spruces they always have really buttressed bases where they just have these very pronounced zoop buttresses that go up to these straight trees interesting as opposed to other trees where they will have a little root flare but spruces specifically have a very pronounced easily identifiable root flare spruces got those curves they do oh it just makes them so beautiful yeah and then if you have a big enough old enough tree that's starting to have this bark kind of peel kind of flake off then you can say peely flaky bark and these big scale like not scale flakes and then this buttress base spruce spruce touch He's, those yeah. cones if they bite back you got yourself a yeah spruce. exactly not the cones. needles this, yes thank me. you yes that's it and then uh but they're really dark green and they grow way 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 up in the uh in again the very northern reaches of north america and that is what makes these trees um just really tough trees. You got to be a tough tree to grow up there. Before we move on from the bark. Of course. People have explicitly asked us to give more like visual comparisons to think about these things. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, podcasts are an audio format. Yeah, that's true. Um, when I look at this tree, 
I, to me, it looks a bit like a melting candlestick. Okay, yeah. They kind of had these like these little like these little uh, like almost like melted wax coming oh, okay. on the sides, but it's made of wood. What I see though, when I look at that, is not quite that. I see more of a um, like maybe a croissant where mm. you get like flakiness where it bakes and you start getting all the flakes kind of pop off a little bit. For sure. Imagine that, but vertical. Okay, maybe That's we combine the two. Yeah, I think that that would really sell it for me. Honestly, can I tell you? Just right now, uh-huh. my stomach is like, you're hungry. I heard it from across the room, <laughs> Casey. It went like this. Arr. Yeah. And I think you could pronounce that as croissant. <laughs> Gwessel. Uh Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what the bark looks Those like. Those are the trees. And they grow in terms of uh, ecological things, which is important in identification of, of spruces, especially here in Oregon. Hmm. Um, uh, if you are looking and you see a bunch of trees that look really similar to each other, a lot of times they're just geographic distinctional or distinctions will tell you what tree it is or is not okay. so in this case if you're in the way north it's probably a black pine if you're a little or black spruce if you're a little bit further south it's probably going to be a white spruce an alberta white spruce they look very 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 similar interesting yeah so the further north you are the more likely it's going to be one of these black spruce okay what's and, the distinction I'm... you know i i i don't know for sure okay. and i should look this up um because I remember going to Canada and collected a bunch of cones and I would look at these trees and they would be shaped just a little bit differently. One was a little bit wider and maybe the cones were a little bit longer Hmm. and the other one would be just a little bit skinnier and the cones were a little bit smaller and I was like those must be the differences and then I went back and I looked at just the cones and I was like I can't tell the difference between these Hmm. and I I got rid of them because I was like I can't tell which one is which so I need to go back to find these big differences Um, but they the specific differences I believe would be the cones and the shape of the uh, of the whole tree itself Okay, where one would be just a little bit wider and have a little bit shorter needles maybe one has a little bit longer needles but I can't recall which is which. Okay. It's a shortcoming of me, and I'm sorry. You have no shortcomings. You're perfect as you are. That is so nice of you to say. Unless you'd like to change something about yourself, but then I encourage it. I would like to change my understanding and thorough ability to identify every tree on the continent of North America. Well, you're doing pretty good so far, Casey. Thank you. It's really sweet of you to say. And speaking of trees on North America, we're going to talk about the black spruce after this break. We will be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the black spruce, Canada's own. Picea Mariana. A beauty of a tree. And Casey. Love it. You told me before the record what uh, we're going to, the kind of the, 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 the centerpiece of this discussion. Oh yeah, I did. And I'm quite excited. I think it's a really interesting topic. Yes. Let's get into it. All right. So this tree, as we noted, grows in the very highest reaches of North America, way, 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 way up where the ground is so cold, it is permanently frozen. Wow. All the time? All the time. Okay. At least it used to be. That is the permafrost. Are you familiar? Um, you know, I know permafrost from some, uh, some video games that I've played in the mm, past. Like, okay. like it's, permafrost is sort of one of your classic, like, ice 
an, uh, mage class like oh, abilities. Okay, all it's right. Like a, it's kind of a general. Maybe a, a a few games have used permafrost as like an gotcha. ability. All right. Well, it's a good name. I think that's a good choice. <laughs> you were just so. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, now I feel. I know what I feel. I, I know how you feel. <laughs> Thanks. I I feel good to know that. Anyway, yes, permafrost is a situation of the ground where it is constantly frozen because it just doesn't get warm enough okay um but this is so for instance let me give you an example i think uh, if you're in oregon and you dig down like four feet or something like that mm-hmm. the ground is always 55 degrees yeah or something very close to that yeah. it's just always that's what it is um whereas if you go further north there it is below freezing below 32 degrees fahrenheit and okay. zero celsius and that is what causes the ground below a certain level so the top portion that'll that'll melt just as any all the snow melts and the the top you know a couple feet start to maybe a couple inches in some places um starts to melt then you get like uh, in the famous bogs and things of of the super super high altitude or high latitude areas a lot of mosquitoes up there you know is that considered a tundra yes but the tundra and the permafrost i believe are just slightly different where the tundra would be either on top of it or just like a little bit further south oh okay yes but i'm not 100 percent sure because that's a grassland not a forest (laughs) a tundra is a grassland yeah more or less all right you 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 looked around to your imaginary friends who were all laughing everyone was we we got it you didn't know all right well no it is they they're very close related habitats okay and um i know that the permafrost may sometimes lie underneath these habitats because you also have it underneath forests okay so Many times, um, the permafrost will, of course, stay permanently frozen. Yeah. But sometimes, either because it gets really hot for whatever reason, it melts. Or maybe it's slowly receding because it's getting warmer and warmer on average over time. Mm, Climate change. that. So we're seeing that a lot in a lot of different places. And it's happened, like I said, here and there where you get some warm spell for whatever reason. And you get the permafrost that melts. Now, when it melts underneath trees, Alex, Mm-hmm. The trees will themselves go all cockeyed. Yeah, and this is—it's a term that I think we found just kind of doing random research um, called drunken trees. Yes, you've seen this. Now you remember? <laughs> you just turned into Jay Leno. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, yeah. Have you seen this? Yeah, I look over. I, I'm only familiar with it in the sense that you mentioned it to me right before we decided to record tonight. Um, however. Uh, I have a question. Yeah. So when the when the when the snow melts, or excuse me, when the permafrost melts, yeah, uh, the tree, there's a bit of a uh, 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 what is that place called? Uh, Tower of Pisa situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tower of Pisa. Yeah, I think so. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. So basically, you have a tree that is growing. And of course, most of our trees up here in the northern reaches of the northern hemisphere especially, they don't have deep roots in the same sense that you would have um, an acacia in, say, or a mesquite in the deserts of the southwest where they have really long tap roots or uh, you know, certain oak trees will have very deep roots. Okay. Um, all, most of our trees, the majority of their roots are going to be in the top two to three feet of soil. And a lot of them will grow a tap root just because that's how they start growing. But that tap root will send roots out to the side, but that tap root does not keep going way, 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 way down. Again, there are certain exceptions, but 
with these trees that grow way up in the north, they do not do it. The black spruce does not make really deep tap roots. It just has these long, wide-spreading roots in the top two to three feet of soil. Okay. So if that top two to three, two or three feet of soil is permafrost, or maybe it melts a little bit and then it refreezes, mm-hmm. those tree roots will go through and they'll have you know a nice solid ice-ish foundation, or at least they're going to be on top of something that has a nice solid foundation. Is it harder for them to get nutrients in the in the freeze? Yeah, they would they would wait until it kind of gets thawed. So a lot of their absorbing roots are going to be up near the top. Oh. And but the thing is, if you have topsoil that's sitting on on top of a permafrost, that's more or less stable because it may freeze and thaw every year, but it's on basically what is solid ground. I see. So when the permafrost melts, which is the deeper layer, it's kind of like the bedrock that you're growing on, that your soil is sitting on, becoming now mud. This is like uh, a house foundation shifting. Yes, it's exactly the same. So the house's foundation, um, what I'm imagining is this thing called uh, liquidification. Hmm. Liquidification. Have you ever been to the beach um, and there's been wet sand? And you've taken your hand and you slap it or you slap your foot on the ground. And all of a sudden it goes from being solid sand that has water in it to literally like a, a, a puddle. Yeah. You take your foot off and it solids back up again. It's like a oobleck. Um, it's, a, it's like a thing that you make for a kid that has, it's like cornstarch and water. Yes. Okay. It, yes. It's very, 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 very similar to that, okay. except the kind of the opposite. Okay. Because the oob, like, if you hit it really hard, it stays solid enough that you can, like, run across it. Yeah. This, it's already solid, and when you pat it, it becomes a liquid, or it acts as a liquid. I see. It's reversed. Yes. Okay. So, in this case, it's a big thing with earthquakes, where if you get this big earthquaking thing, and you have, like, certain kinds of soil, then liquefaction's a problem, because then, all of a sudden, you have a solid foundation that goes in an earthquake from being solid to a literal, gigantic puddle wow. of, of moist substance that acts as a liquid okay instead of a solid so this is kind of what's happening but in a slow form where the soil once it thaws it becomes basically a liquid where everything that used to be really solid in ice is now just kind of like well i'm not resting on anything i used to be this you know solid hunk of ice i'm no longer ice and all of a sudden you have this pressure from above which is a huge tree is all of a sudden now just pushing down so slowly it's just going to compress okay and then it's going to edge over here then maybe it didn't freeze thoroughly maybe there's a rock over there maybe there's a you know a decaying uh, uh, mammoth or something that's been there for thousands and thousands of years. Mm. And all these different factors come together when that melts and that foundation starts to settle. You get these trees that started growing straight up with these nice flat root systems. All of a sudden they start to bend and tilt and move in different directions. Right. Maybe they were solid. Then a big wind came through and they all kind of went and kind of bent over. It's a, It's a bit sad. It is. It's, it absolutely is because it may be, it not always is. I don't want to say that it's 100%, but it, a lot of times would be a problem of the permafrost melting where it didn't used to melt long um. enough that these trees obviously could get so tall. And then when it does melt and you look like these pickup sticks that used to be this perfectly straight forest are now leaned over. So you might, uh, a, a tree like that might have a really straight stem. Yeah. Like at the top and then maybe toward the base, it gets a 
little wonky because it it's like it's like a it's like a, a lie detector test you know like oh it, yeah yeah it yeah, yeah. Like, uh-huh. so it's it's kind of wonky at the bottom and then time after you know yes what am i even trying to say but you I, know what i'm trying to say i know what you're trying to say but i think you're skipping ahead just one second oh. um because what you got to imagine is these trees started growing straight up right yeah from year zero they just growing straight up now you have this like let's say 25 foot tall tree okay it's growing straight up then all of a sudden it tips it's not that the tree is tipping at the base. Oh. The whole root system and everything is tipping. I so see. it is now from year zero to year 25 or to, you know, let's just say at 25 feet, however tall this tree is, yeah. you still have that perfectly straight tree, but now it's at like a an angle, like 15 degrees off center. I see. Yeah. And then though, Alex, this is what you're talking about, where once it makes that that change, let's say that it, the tree doesn't fall over. It's just tipped a little bit, enough that you can see, oh, clearly there's it's at an angle. Yeah. But if it's a perfectly straight tree that's at an angle, something failed in the root system or the soil soil root interface. Okay. That's what's happening here. The whole system underneath it, the whole soil system has now adjusted and settled and done something the tree is now off kilter but it's still straight as an arrow yeah the next year if the tree can respond and re-solidify itself with its roots or at least not be so uh tipped that it's going to fall over immediately then the growing tip the very very tip new spot that primary growth at uh-huh. the grow or the top of the tree yep that is going to grow straight up not yes. at the same angle it's gonna go. It's gonna go toward the sun. Exactly, and that term is called phototropism. Phototropism. Alex. Yes, tropism meaning how things grow, and photo means growing towards light. Where does tropism come from? Ooh, it's uh, good. I don't know because I've actually I've heard it in a bunch of different terms. Like there's trop, trophic levels, which are kind of spelled very very similar, but I don't know if it's the same root. I don't know. Also, tropic maybe yeah. comes from the same thing. Mm, we're gonna have to have one of our uh, interns look this up. I, th- I think I'm going to do it after the show. I'm too. Yeah. I'm too intrigued. Ooh, we should. Okay. But the uh, so what that means is just the the growth of something. In this case, we're talking about plants. So phototropism, the growth towards light. Um, uh-huh. Gravitropism, the growth toward or down with gravity. Hmm. Or thigmotropism. You heard that one? Yes. I love it. I've been telling you all about it. It's the, the growth of the of a tree in response to some mechanical thing. Maybe it's wind or rain or something like that. Thigmomorphogenesis. Yeah, that's a $6 word. Thigmomorphogenesis. Uh, you got it. Thigmo. Thigmo? Yes, with TH. Thigmomorphogenesis. That's the one. So... What makes the black spruce, the forests of the black spruces, yeah. when the when the um, permafrost melts, uh-huh. is that is both phototropism and thigmomorphogenesis, uh, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would say it's it's not it's mostly photo, or rather, when it moves for that that physical force, that is not the tree responding to the growth. That's it, basically getting tipped over. Okay. And so the tree is oh. the tree wasn't pushed over necessarily or it didn't decide to grow at this tipped angle because of some force. It just happened to be all right, and now everything is different and I'm angled this way. I see. So it's just like so minutely different. Yeah. But then phototropism is the new response that that tree has. 
to grow towards the light, which in this case is just going to be straight up because light's everywhere, so it's just going to do that. Yeah. But if you have a tree that is uh, growing, let's say, on the side of a forest, and it is a very shade-intolerant tree, it's going to be like growing straight out towards the uh, towards the light. But the difference is a tree that uses phototropism from the very start to grow out towards light. So it has the same exact angle as maybe one of these spruces does. Okay. But it's been doing it since it, the very, very, very beginning, since year one. Yeah. That tree has been growing at that angle and has been putting on response growth underneath or on top of it so that it is constantly able to hold itself up because it's been doing it its entire life at that angle it's just growing out towards the light okay does, does that make sense i think so today's episode is full of a lot of big ideas <laughs> and terms sometimes alex just needs a minute you know yeah you would you take a minute i'm gonna try to give it to you give it to you in a different way okay i you, love that you have two trees that are growing one tree is right next to the other tree they were they're two black spruces and they've been growing up one for 10 years the other mm-hmm. one just started Okay. That other one that just started is maybe two feet away. So the big one that's been there for 10 years, it's already got its branches out. The little one is like, I don't got any light. Right. I got to get some light. So that new year, new new first year tree, it starts to grow instead of directly up into the shaded boughs of the spruce tree. It grows at an angle to get out from under exactly. its big brother. It grows towards the light. Phototropism, it just happens to be the light in this case is a little bit off to the left. I got you. So it keeps growing. Fast forward 10 years. You now have a 20-year-old tree that's straight as an arrow, mm-hmm. and you have a 5-year or a 10-year-old tree that is growing off at an angle, and then once it gets to a full good distance away where the light now is starting to come from all sides, it straightens itself up and it grows straight up. Right. Fast forward another 10 years, you have this big tree, and now the top of that big tree is growing a little bit away from this now 20-year-old tree that is also growing straight up, but a little bit away from this other tree because now they're competing at a real-life level where you have a big 20-year-old mm-hmm. tree and you got a big 30-year-old tree. But they're sort of uh, peers now. Exactly, but the the new, the new younger tree will have a base that started growing way out because it's getting away from the big tree. Once it's away, it grows straight up. Right. The one that's growing straight up, it's already got its dominance, but now it's got this other dominant thing kind of taking up its light on this one side, so it starts growing away from it. And you get these two trees that are growing away from each other, but also up at the same time. And if you really think about this visually, the term drunken trees. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these forests must look like an absolute mess. I, they do. It, like It looks like pickup sticks that fell in sand, so they're all standing upright yeah. rather than laying down. And then on top of this, if we take our, our, our last visual reference where you had these two trees next to each other, and then you add in the drunken tree part where you add in their shot of permafrost melt, <laughs> then all of a sudden, let's say their ground, the ground that they're on, shifts to the north a little bit just like angles to the north because there was something that was under there it melted all that kind of shifted and compacted a little bit now both of those trees that are growing out to the left and the right now they're at this weird wacky Mm -hmm. angle that doesn't make any sense and then 
If they don't fall, they're going to respond and both of them will start to go whoop and their new growth will grow straight up. Wow. And I want to make something very clear here, Alex. And this is a big thing that comes up with people in trees. They're like, well, it's got that lean. It's really dangerous. If it's a phototropic lean, it's not dangerous because the tree has been doing that its entire life. And it's responding to its environment by growing out and putting on all the growth it needs to to support itself properly. Whereas if it's not a phototropic lean, like it's one of these drunken trees that just gets tipped over by something else, that is indicative of a change in the growth situation at the base of that tree. How can you tell the difference? This is how you can tell. The phototropic tree will have a bend in it that corrects and goes up towards the light all the time. We call that a corrected lean or corrected top. Okay. So it always grows out and then will curve itself back up. If it is not a phototropic lean, it will not have that curve. It will not have corrected. It'll just be that straight up pointed tree that's growing out at a weird angle into I the see. void. All these trees, if they're they're very top one, they're very top, and if it's like a broadleaf tree, you're going to generally be able to tell, is it kind of a balanced crown growing completely upright, or is that oval like kind of off kilter a little hmm. bit? It's, it's a little bit more difficult to oh. see. You should be a little bit trained if you want to. You got to know what the tree looks like normally to know what it looks like abnormally, I guess. I guess I didn't even realize that that like phototropism like is it's phototropism across the board. In, all plants in the kingdom. Yes. Okay. And individual buds and things on an individual plant. Right. Imagine that. Now it's really just like. Uh, sunflowers. It up. Yeah. They'll Famously. do it. Famously. They follow the sun. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's some hyper phototropism. Yes, that's exactly what that is. Coining that term. Yeah, please do. Let's uh, put could, it in the dictionary. You can now get your hypo uh, phototropism t-shirts at completelyarbitrary.com. <laughs> but yeah, so you can tell the difference um, in that regard, or you can tell if a tree's unstable, and it will, if the tree leans over, and it's been leaned over for one year, you would be like, yeah, that tree just leaned. It hasn't corrected. Give it a couple of years. If it falls, it failed. Yeah. If it doesn't fall and its new tip starts to grow up, then you have a tree that has said, whoa, something changed. I've now reacted to it. And now once that new thing happens, all this new reaction growth happens in the tree. It puts on certain, a bunch of new wood over on one side because now the pressures over on the compression side of the tree trunk yeah. are way bigger. So it's going to be like, i got to put a bunch more wood on. And conifers will add more wood to the compression side to push the rest of the tree up. Wow. Gym, or, uh, angiosperms, broadleaf trees, will put a bunch of wood on the tension side to pull itself back. That it, is just incredible. Isn't that wild? Casey, I think this is just a fantastic time to get into our rating. I think that's very fair. Of the black spruce. The black spruce and its drunkenness. Piscea Mariana. <laughs> that's it. Piscea, I would Picea say. Piscea Mariana. I like Piscea, eh? If you haven't heard the show before, here's a quick recap on how we do it. Casey and I will rate today's tree, the black spruce, on a scale from zero to ten golden cones of honor. This season, honor is spelled H O N. Oh, you are Casey as our resident expert. We will begin with you. Oh, okay. So again, I told you already that I like spruces quite a bit. I think spruces are just such beautiful trees Mm. and their beauty and their toughness, I think is exceptional because they grow, they tend to grow in the, just the harshest climates, like the very tops of mountains right along the coast, way up at the highest latitudes, anywhere Mm. where it's, you know, everything else is kind of not good at competing. 
you're going to get spruces, and they're going to do great. Okay. I also find that their straightness is exceptional. Did you know that they are <laughs> – you laugh. What do you mean? Yeah, it's just, uh, just like, a funny sentence. All right, cool. I, they're, they're very, they grow straight up all yeah. the time. <laughs> the, the, anyway, uh, now I'm questioning, like, is that not something that everyone else sees in trees as a beautiful thing? Wow, its straightness is exceptional. <laughs> just, you know, other trees, they kind of get little wiggles and waggles in it. Yeah. Spruce is just true as heck. Every once in a while, you just tickle me, Casey. <laughs> Good. Uh, so I think for the black spruce, um, it's wonderful. It's, it's common. It's, it's, it's like, it's a tree that kind of grows everywhere. Okay. However, it's not exceptional. Otherwise, mm. I know this is another thing that I always do get excited, and then I just bring everyone down. Your cones are your own. Thank you so much. They ended up not uh, the the trees. They're not planted very often anywhere else. They have to grow in these in these rough climates, but they also don't like it in these other nicer climates. They're kind of one of those those trees that they're they're kind of like uh, woodsmen, hmm. where they just grow out and they you bring them into the cities into the warm areas and they're just kind of like oh, i don't know why i'm just so uncomfortable here i hate yeah. it and they just don't do very well luckily though no one plants them in places that they don't want to be growing because everyone tries to plant the nicer trees in these rough climates and they do terribly right so i like that they're a kind of tree that likes their style they know where they want to be and they stay there and they do it very very well and i think their cones are adorable Great. i'm gonna give them a 7.7. 7. A great score. 77 with a point in between. 7.7 <laughs> 7 golden cones of honor That's for the right. black spruce. And you know what? I'm going to give them uh, I'm going to give them an extra an extra one, 7.8. Okay. Just because uh, I'm going to be like this one's on me. <laughs> just a little <laughs> just a little kickback from the from the the table. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what? Uh, you know, I'm going to clean this bar top off and yeah. going to slide a cone over their direction. <laughs> That way they can uh, get their fix. They are these now pretty drunk up there. But you know what? If I lived in the Yukon, I probably would be a drunken tree too. So yeah, oh well. You're saying uh, this rib's got a little bit of meat on it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. They all go after it ravenously. <laughs> yeah. So seven point seven point seven point one. Seven point seven point one golden cones of honor for the black spruce from dendrologist Casey Clapp. That's a scientific assessment. So as you were describing them, Casey, the black spruces. I started to think, gosh, he could, if you just took this out of context, you could absolutely be describing the Starks of Winterfell. <laughs> what? what? Okay. Give me a little bit on that, please. They survive well in the cold up there in the north. Yeah. If you take them out of the north and put them uh, down in the tropics of the city, they all get executed. <laughs> um and you know they winter is coming and they're ready for it and they're gnarled and uh, just they're just battered people. That's yeah. All right, this, um, I'm sold. Fantastic. So that instantly, uh, I was like, "Oh, I like them much more now." <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna go for a solid 8.0 golden cones of honor. That sounds like a great one for the black spruce. I think they're <laughs> a cool tree. Um, I didn't know much about they. They seem when you when we when you, when you mentioned it earlier like that we were going to cover the black spruce i was a little like yeah that's that sounds fine but learning about their drunkenness um really pulling for their sobriety by the way um you know uh, i i think that's a really cool concept and then i think as you were describing them i was like man these trees are kind of badass 
Um, and I think you know this about me. I love a tree that grows in a difficult area because mm-hmm. I think, well, why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs> and the and the black spruce just turns its shoulder to me and, and yeah. faces the wind, and that's kind of that earns my respect. <laughs> Thank so, you. That's reasonable. <laughs> so eight point golden cones of honor for the black spruce. That's from it. Me, non dendrologist Alex Croson. That's a scientific assessment. <laughs> Casey, it's time for a new segment. <gasps> I love new segments. As you know, we have been calling our listeners the fungal associates. And sometimes our fungal associates will send us links to articles or additional reading on a tree that we've covered, Casey. Ah, that's true. So, when tree news breaks, there's only one source that completely arbitrary turns to, and that's the fungal associated press. <laughs> was great alex i'm so happy you thought of that that's such a funny name the fungal associated press thanks casey <laughs> i love that well here's how it works casey we've got three news stories from three different fungal associates from around the world and uh we're going to talk about them and we're going to include links to them on our website with, All right. along with this episode this is so exciting so the first one here is from olivia dawson okay olivia sent us an article uh, from BBC News, Tree Hunter finishes 13-year Ofa's Dyke nature walk. What? Now, 13 th- years? 13 years. This man's name, Rob McBride, but Mr. McBride walked 177 miles and logged, no pun intended, the oh. trees he found, Casey, hundreds of species of trees. Wow. Wait, just hundreds of trees, not hundreds of species. Oh, is it just hundreds of trees? It looks like it logging hundreds of trees. Well, that seems less impressive. Wow. I don't mean to take any way, anything no, away from Mr. Mr. McBride. McBride. Yeah, I think that's his, his thing, dude. <laughs> this is so cool. So he walked from the, the border between England and Wales. Yes. And Casey, something wow. in this article really grabbed my attention from something we talked about before. Yeah. He said the oldest tree he recorded was a yew. Oh my God. I love that. And wow. we talked about yews kind of... 2,500. Kind of, uh, oh, we're going to talk about yews. That's going to be probably next season. Yeah, we've mentioned yews before. A very fascinating tree. They're uh, such a weird tree. <laughs> but yeah, this guy uh, this guy just kept walking and, and recorded all the trees. If you, if you see a picture of this man, he looks precisely how you imagine a man who went on a tree hunt looks <laughs> into the the, un, the the countryside of of england yes he is a human hobbit wow that is so good i love that it's kind of like forrest gump where you just do something <laughs> and then everyone gets stoked about it and like wants to see you walk by yes that's so good and so then you, you just, just do it for years and years and years yeah that's amazing oh and you know what this last bit mcbride's passion for trees started after a mental breakdown when serious anxiety forced him to end his it career this is such a good thing so he just went outside and started walking randomly yeah and now he's like, you know, he's getting covered by the BBC. I think that is just such a good tale to say everything's going wrong. You're really freaking out. You're having a hard time. Get away from that computer in this high stress job and go walk around and look at trees. Yeah. He didn't they, no one asked him to do this. He just decided, you know what, I'm gonna go count these big trees and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hug each one because he's gotta measure it, so you gotta, you know, reach around it. <laughs> so you hug every single one of these trees and you know, he seems happy at least. What a good way to like 
reset yourself. Yes, one hundred percent. I I think it's a I think it's a really cool thing that he did. And yeah, being prescribed fresh air and exercise. Ugh, doctors. <laughs> They're learning so much. It says the project will be recorded in his forthcoming publication, The Great Trees of Ofa's Dyke. Casey, wow. when that's released, I'm absolutely getting us a couple copies. Yes, please do. And we're reading the shit out of that book. I love this. Well done, Mr. McBride. Yes, well done, Mr. McBride. How many cones of honor for Mr. McBride? He gets 9.5. I give him a 9.5 as well, Okay, Casey. perfect. I think we're on the same page here. We most certainly are. Casey, our yeah. second story is not so much a story as something that many, many people sent us. <laughs> I, I believe the first person was Chan- Chandler Witherington. Thank you, Chandler. And I wrote et al. because we, there were several, mm, several more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an episode of Radiolab. Oh, this is the um, Lebanon, USA? Lebanon, USA. Oh, my God. the incredible, God. renowned, uh, award-winning Radio Lab podcast. I mean, they're trying their best. They should really get on our level. They, I think they could probably they could probably listen to a couple of episodes of Completely Arbitrary Learn a Thing or Two. I think they could. Well, Casey, this episode of uh, Radio Lab is about all of the Lebanon trees, the cedars of Lebanon. Oh my God! That we covered not t- a fortnight ago, or rather, all the isn't it all the places in the Lebanons in the world too? Is that it? In the world. I'm sorry, in the United States. I believe it also talks about the Lebanon trees, the cedars oh, of Lebanon. Oh, they do. Um, Ugh, because it, they're such cool trees. Look at that quote at the very beginning. It says it's from Psalms 92.12. My assumption is that's from the Bible. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. There you I have it. I love that. Give that episode of uh, Radio Lab a listen. Uh, uh, much better podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. It's great. Oh, my God. I was typing in Lebanon, and it said Oregon, and I was like, what? <laughs> Can I tell you a story? Sure. <laughs> this is so funny. I've been to this place spelled like Lebanon in Oregon. Pronounced Lebanon. Lebanon. Do you know how I learned that it's pronounced Lebanon in this small town? How? I was living at the time in another small town called Corvallis, Oregon, where uh-huh. if you're in Curva- Corvallis, they'll probably call it Curvallis. Curvallis. Anyway, I was living there. I was hanging out with some friends. And um, so two of my friends, Zach and Aaliyah, they have another friend. And they were like, yeah, we're, we're going to go see this, uh, go see your play. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's go. So we drove the 20 miles you needed to get from Corvallis to Lebanon. And in Lebanon, there was this little band playing in this little dive bar. Mm. And it was this little cover band. And it was like, oh, cool. This is great. So we watched her play. And they were, you know, I was like, yeah, great job. This is really great. And then when they, the band was done, they set up karaoke. I don't know if you know this, Alex. I'm a big fan of karaoke. Are you really? Could you not guess that from my like uh, love of music and performance? I, I suppose I could, yeah. yeah. But a lot of people don't think about it, because I don't sing often in front of people. Mm-mm. But man, give me the opportunity and a mic and put on some like Piano Man by Billy Joel. Wow. Bring the house down. Or, <laughs> in this case, I chose a song that at the time was close to my heart and i had just i have not even thought about it in many years until i think just now hmm. um so i went there went up there on stage and i was getting ready to go and i was like this is going to be a lot of fun and then i got up uh, got up there it's a tiny little bar like 16 people in there they all live in town or close by yeah. and i'm just like hey what's up lebanon the dj oh literally took the microphone from me and was like 
it's pronounced Lebanon. And I was just like up on stage. He gives the mic back and I'm like, ah. All right. Everyone's looking at me. I'm this, you know, young, like hipster looking kid from the college town 20 miles away. And they're just like, I hate this kid already. Like, this is going to be so awful. Wow. Coming into our town. What a nightmare. The song that I chose was Making Love Out of Nothing at All by Air Supply. Hell yeah. I crushed it, Alex. I'm sure you did. I brought that place down. I had people on stage dancing with me. I was just... It was at the very end when it's like, out of nothing at all, and like all that. Man, it was one of the best karaoke experiences I've ever had. From the bottom to the bottom to the top. Wow. Crush I that. kill to to see that experience. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Ask, uh, I think Zach and Aaliyah specifically still remember that, that because they're also like mortified for me up on that stage in Lebanon, Oregon. Never you, made that mistake again. You brought it back. Yeah, I did. And I'm going to now listen to that song a couple hundred more times so I can remember all the lyrics. <laughs> well, Casey, our third article from our Fungal Associated Press is about a Phoenician shipwreck project oh yeah we mentioned the phoenicians in our cedar of lebanon yes, episode we do. speaking of cedar of lebanon and this is from chanel zap now chanel zap is in out uh, casey did you know we have a facebook group i did know that i think it was started by a list of fungal associate it's oh. called the completely arbitrary fungal associates <laughs> i love that so i recently much. joined which oh, i was I a should. little nervous mm-hmm. about because I was like, is this going to be like when you see a teacher at the grocery store? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but everybody's been so kind. Um, so Chanel Zap posted this article. She says, uh, they say, was listening to the latest episode while on an emergency tile run and got very excited when I heard mention of the Phoenicians. One of the first projects I got to participate in multiple stages of was a Phoenician shipwreck. No way. Uh, and, she, and then and then still waiting to find out if there's any uh remaining wood underneath or if that's all uh, uh heavy cargo. But wow. The one tiny piece of wood that was found uh was found by Chanel. That is incredible. During sifting and yes uh, that's that's their claim to fame. Oh my gosh! So that's so exciting because a it's like bringing history back. Not to mention, um, that was such a fascinating episode because she's also an ologist on ologies. That's right. And I was like, this is so cool. And then she's a fan of us. I mean, it's like dual fans. I love it. At Sharks and Rex on ah, Instagram. Brilliant. Um, yeah, super cool. And we'll include a link to this thing. Uh, you can tour the shipwreck. There's a 3D mesh model of it's the shipwreck. It's so cool. Uh, it's extremely awesome. I think this is so fascinating. And to find a little bit of wood after so long, like 7th century BC, and yeah. now it's back again, it's like they built it out of that, they raised it, and it's like you can still find these, like, it's like, uh, you know, finding this remnant of some civilization, and you're just like, what? How long has this been here? Yeah. Wow, how fascinating. It's really incredible. Uh, Chanel is a maritime archaeologist, which oh, is something I discovered existed today. <laughs> there you go. Uh, pretty cool. Thanks for sending that in, Chanel. And so thank you cool. to the rest of our fungal associates for sending in these articles. We're going to do this. I think we're going to do this somewhat regularly, Casey. Well, how many people are going to send us things? That's how fast we can do it. That's right. Mm-hmm. I guess at the end of this uh, segment, all I have to say is uh, good night and uh, God bless. <laughs> Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. Today, we have a very special Q&A. Oh, 
do we? Tell me. Well, you tell me. We have <gasps> two oh, questions. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about now. And who are these questions from, Casey? These are from my friend, Michael Pena. He's a fungal associate. And uh, we work together at the city of Portland. Mm -hmm. And he um, has some kids. And they're just such lovely kids. His whole family is just a delight. And um, they were listening to the show. And they had some questions. This is from Elias and Nora, these two questions. And um, they recorded it and sent it to Michael, or Michael sent it to me. And I was like, sweet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play these. And I asked permission. He said, yes, you can play these on. So we will play those for you here. Well, let's hear this first question. Hi, Casey and Alex. Why do trees communicate to each other and how? That is such a great question. Casey, how do trees communicate to each other and why? Well, they do it in two different ways. So we've talked about this a little bit, but it's always good to remember and bring up again. Trees will communicate by three main functions. The roots, where their roots will literally connect to each other, graft together so that it will be as if they were a one root system between two different trees. Mm -hmm. And then they will pass chemicals between the two roots. Sometimes there will be fungus, the fungal associates, the mycorrhizal fungi that will connect those roots if they're too far away or between different species and right. between different individuals. And those will also basically boils down to chemical um, uh, chemical amounts in one tree being high, chemical amounts in the other tree being low. And that gradient forces those chemicals when they're produced by one tree to flow into and then get produced by the other tree. That happens very quickly, especially if there's also the second way that trees do this, they absorb pheromones more or less uh, through their um, their needles. So if you have a an insect bites a tree, then it sends out this certain uh, chemical it's a, an organic compound that also gets emitted into the air and then that goes and gets absorbed by the uh the leaves of another tree, that tree then is like, oh, I now have this chemical in me. Something's wrong. It then produces that chemical itself. And then all of a sudden, every corn stalk in the field knows that there's a bunch of insects coming to chew on them. Sweet. So they'll do that between those two things, between the roots and between the air. Fantastic. What's our second question, Alex? Well, let's hear the second question from Child B. Hi, Casey Alex. Uh, do trees poop? Casey, finally somebody's asking the real questions around here. Oh, God, I love that question so much. Do Play it trees, again, would you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Casey and Alex. Uh, do trees poop? Casey, do trees poop? <gasps> they do poop. What? Well, not the way that you would expect. Yeah. No. What a bummer. I know. They do. I'm not going to be the one to tell her, Casey. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell. No, that's a little Elias. I don't. I think that's true. All right. All right. So, yes, trees do poop because just like anything, they create waste in, in the sense where each individual cell will have a bunch of processes that happen. Those processes will inevitably create some amount of chemicals that they don't need, or maybe they'll use it up, or maybe they have too much of something. Okay. So they need to wash it out. So all that is, again, I hate to boil down such a perfect question from a yes to a, well, it's more of a chemical gradient. But it's kind of more of a chemical gradient where you have too much of one thing in a cell and it passes through a bunch of barriers out to the phloem and the xylem and it will get pushed out to certain things. Either it go down into the roots or they'll push it into the wood and they'll just store it in the wood that they're no longer using. Okay. Another thing, uh, the... 
Well, those trees that grow in the oceans, what am I thinking? The mangrove trees, Mm. they actually will have a sacrificial leaf where they pump a bunch of salts into, and then that leaf dies. Wow. Yeah, so they get rid of waste in in that kind of way. It also, if there's like um, air waste or gas-ish waste, Uh then they just let it out through their leaves, so the leaves are kind of constantly farting, I guess is what that means. Can I offer another answer? Yes. I think cones are sort of like poop. (laughs) You think so? Because the real money of the cone is the seed, right? Yeah, sure. The the other parts of the cone don't... don't Oh, I see. It's just the vessel. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. All right. You know what? You're not quite as on board with this as I thought you would. Your cones are your own, Alex. Oh, brother. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Michael, Elias, and Nora for sending those questions to us. Yes, thank you so, so much. And if you have a question about trees for Casey, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com or send us a voice memo. That's kind of fun. That was so much fun, especially if you can have your adorable kids do it. Yeah, we prefer that. (laughs) Casey, a lot of firsts this episode. This has been a good one. A new segment, a new way to read questions. Mm -hmm. What a world. I know. And follow us on Instagram at Arbitrary Pod. We have lots of fun things happening there. You can also join our Patreon if you so choose. We have three different levels. You can either give us a high five or you can join the Arboretum, which is getting two extra episodes a month. Mm-hmm. You could also join the Cone of the Month Club, capital Cone, capital Month of the Club. <laughs> And that's how you have a good time. (laughs) We'll send you a new sticker every single month. It's going to be a new cone, and it's going to be made by some lovely artist that Alex finds because, man, this guy's got his pulse on it. And we're gonna have a we're gonna send another one out. This last one was the uh, the Douglas fir. That's right. It's beautiful. And if you join this month, you get a, an Eastern white pine. That's true. By Sonny Eckerly, a friend of the pod. Yeah, I'm so happy for it. So. If you feel inclined, join the Patreon. If not, listen every week. We'll have another one out next week. That's right. We'll always be here on Thursdays to treat your ears to tree facts and fun times. Yep. Couldn't think of another word to rhyme. Really, really <laughs> nailed that that landing. Cut us off, Alex. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our production consultant is Olivia Frankie. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by the Mini Vandals. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.